This is 15 Minutes with the Doctor, Episode 5. Welcome to 15 Minutes with the Doctor, the 15 minute appointment where we share powerful stories from healthcare entrepreneurs and innovators so you can grow your idea of business. Uh huh. So say hello to your host, Dr. Vinay Shankar. Today, we have Dr. Lauren Gresser, who is the creator of DemDX, a medical education app. The app teaches diagnostic skills by utilising the approach taken by experts in medicine. Learn how Lauren has integrated the process of medical decision-making into an educational app, her approach to validate the app, and how she built a team of expert physician contributors. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Could you begin by telling us a little bit about your background, please? Sure. So I'm Dr. Lauren Gresser, but I've uh, become a medical physician in a very unusual way as I started a career in finance and in business, including some time at the Boston Consulting Group and uh, a Harvard MBA. And then in my late 30s, uh, decided I want to become a pediatrician. So I went back to medical school as uh, very much a, a mature student. Mm-hmm. What was it that made you want to become a pediatrician? Basically, I wanted to apply myself and my skills in a very different way. And I'd studied science and biology at university. And I suppose I went back to my first ambitions and love. And uh, we have a number of medics in the family. And I'm sure that encouraged me. And uh, it was a way of of really sort of fulfilling a, a dream of mine. And then as I went through medical school, I decided that actually the more appropriate thing for me at the stage I was in was probably to become a general physician, a GP in the community. And as I was carrying on through that, I developed DemDX and then that became a way of focusing and bringing together both my previous business experience and finance experience with, uh, with my passion for healthcare and for medicine. And could you tell us a little bit about what DemDX is? So the best way to describe DemDX is demonstrating diagnostics. That's where the sort of origin of the name comes from, the inspiration of the name. Mm-hmm. And the idea is to support or provide a diagnostic support tool. And this could be for a medical student. It could be a junior doctor, a nurse or a physician in the community. And it's a way of them looking at a presenting complaint, be it a cough or a shortness of breath or a rash. And it's been written by specialists, but with that community in mind, and basically takes them through the thought process and the clinical reasoning of experts. So it's a way of of running through the differentials and working through how we narrow the differentials to a diagnostic endpoint. And why do you think something like that was necessary in medical education? So I think there are a number of points. One is, as I went through medical school as a mature student, I realized that we get taught quite rightly, first with the, with the sort of the disease, the pathology, so be it TB or subarachnoid hemorrhage, and then you learn everything there is to do with that complaint or that condition. So then you learn about the epidemiology and mm-hmm. the pathophysiology. And then as part of that, you get taught about how it may present in different ways and then how you manage it. But when you're sort of thrown then into the clinical setting, it's almost like a reverse funnel. You get presented with someone with a headache or you get presented with a rash and you have to then work out what it could be. And so there was no real easily accessible tool to help you a, as a student, think through that clinical reasoning for the first time. And then 
so that was kind of the inspiration or the idea or the concept or the need is because you get taught in one way, but the world works in a very different way. And mm-hmm. in a way, you need both side by side. You do need to be able to sort of start from first principles, but then to support you as you start seeing patients or start seeing cases, you need some kind of an additional support system. And then in the community, when you're a sort of a physician or a junior GP, you've got to worry about the comorbidities and the management and the side effect of different drugs. And you forget, you have to, because you've got so many different things you're juggling, you forget some of the sort of specialities that you actually knew as a medical mm-hmm, student. Yeah. So we found that a lot of physicians in the community welcome it as a support tool, really, to sort of, you've got a, a natural bias of saying, right, I know straight away what this is, but it's good to have something you can sort of bounce it off and say, well, actually, have I considered X, Y, or Z? So those are sort of inspirations for the need and the creation of MDX. Decision-making is quite a complex process. Uh, you know, there's a lot of research that says that cases are important in allowing doctors to learn how to make a decision, as is clinical knowledge, experience, lots of different factors weigh into how doctors make decisions. Some of it we don't fully understand. What is it specifically that your app does different to what's out there or what's being taught already? So there are a number of points. You're absolutely right. People or physicians, when they make, there are a lot of number of studies that have shown that when a physician makes a clinical diagnosis, there's a lot of positive bias or bias already in terms of how they make it. And so what the app does is it takes a step back and allows, ensures that you're not skipping steps or right. you're not narrowing the funnel too quickly. For the example, this morning we were we were talking to some students and we were going through some of the problems with chest pain and everyone sort of assumes it can be sort of cardiac mm-hmm. or respiratory, but actually you can obviously have musculoskeletal and they had also forgotten about possible panic attacks. You know, there are other causes of things that you don't necessarily sort of come to the forefront. So that's kind of the power of it. And it's a very easy to use and intuitive tool. So it's kind of, it works very seamlessly. It's a reference tool that you can use quite quickly as well. That's the principle. That's great. You recently became one of the winners of Women in Innovation in 2016. Congratulations for that. (laughs) Thank you. It was run by the government agency Innovate UK. And as part of the process, you received £50,000. As a startup, how did you use that capital? That is being put to good use currently. So we haven't as yet uh, spent all of it. But Mm -hmm. the principle for that was to be able to run a study with DEMDX to be able to assess to what extent DEMDX does change behaviours and does give clinicians more confidence in their decision making. So if I take, for example, in the community, the idea is not necessarily to reduce referrals per se, but would be, have I has it helped me be more confident in my decision making? Has it made me more targeted in my referrals? Has it changed some of the investigations I may do? So the funding is, is allowing us to do research both in the community as well as in the A&E or emergency departments to see how it does support, how effective it is in supporting the different clinicians in, the, in a clinical setting. And apps in medical situations are quite an, a new thing. Are there many medical apps out there doing research to validate how effective their app is? That's really interesting because apparently not, which mm-hmm. I was also, I thought that's quite a sort of a, a surprise, bearing in mind that actually the whole sort of progression in medicine is around evidence-based data and research and peer reviews. A lot of them haven't done that, but, but I suppose different apps, even though they're in the health sector, they're achieving different things. So sometimes they're 
it's about improving sort of the record taking or sometimes it's about doing some calculated. So maybe with other products, it's not so required. You could have easily thought, right, I have £50,000. I'm going to market my app. I'm going to get a bigger following. It's quite an interesting choice. It seems more, like you said, something that we see very often in medicine to, you know, to prove that something works. Is there evidence and not something I've typically come across in apps before at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're obviously trying to promote it and encourage people to use it and get user feedback. That's part of our sort of day-to-day process. But for us to really get scale and critical mass, we feel we need the evidence to support that to really be able to back it up. Although just people using it and people finding it helpful. So we've had in the last five months, we've had now, we're coming up to 20,000 downloads. Wow, excellent. So it's clear that it's appealing to people and people have a need for it we've got that momentum already and a lot of it has been from word of mouth we've done only a limited amount of advertising so it's around us sort of thinking through what's our next step to be able to really accelerate our growth because 20,000 is amazing especially if you've as you say you've not done much marketing or, or promotion how do you plan to get future revenue You've been fortunate to get a grant. How, how do you plan to take that momentum forward and generate revenue from the app? So there are a number of different ways that we're planning to sort of monetize it, but initially to make sure that the users are coming back regularly and are starting to make it part of their sort of daily or weekly habits. That's the key to really being able to grow in terms of the digital app world. So the benefits that we have in terms of DemDX is that it's very much global. So we don't go into the management acquisition. We just talk about how you get from a complaint or a presentation to an end diagnosis. And human beings are the world over the same. I mean, obviously, you've got infectious diseases and prevalences that will change depending on different regions. But one of the benefits of MDX is it really does have a global international application. So in the future, you might consider charging for that app? So in terms of the monetization, the charging would be... Over- in due course would be on a subscription base and it might be there are a number it might be them or it might be other parties kind of supporting us or sponsoring us yeah or it could be institutions paying for their users Mm -hmm. so there are a number there are probably three or four different ways of monetizing it you have a huge number of medical professionals contributing to the app and sharing their clinical expertise how did you recruit them so that was really very interesting and one of the aspects that I think has been when people ask me you know what has surprised you or been a particular success I would say that has really been an amazing achievement and utter delight to us is the Mm -hmm. enthusiasm of senior clinicians wanting to get involved so a lot of it has been by introductions from one sort of clinician to another and word of mouth and contacts but the enthusiasm by which they've all participated has been really has taken us we've been utterly thrilled by it and taken us I wouldn't quite say it's a surprise but we're utterly delighted because a lot of them so some of the registrars we've used some of the grant money to fund some of their support but the vast majority of the clinicians that have put in their time and effort and experience have done it as a peer review pro bono so, and there's a, there's a sort of an ethos within the medical community of wanting to share knowledge, pass on their clinical experiences. And a lot of the more senior specialists see this as a fantastic way of, of sharing their knowledge, their 30, 40 years in some cases, clinical experiences. You have on the app over 10,000 diagnostic pathways. And, you know, that amount of decision making and, and thought is 
requires so much expertise. So it's great you've got them involved. What would you say to people who wanted to build a collaboration? Because from a business aspect, it's excellent that you've got people contributing and helping you develop without, you know, having to use vital resources as a startup. So I think finding something that will resonate with those people as individuals, I think, is the key. I mean, we weren't, the introductions were helpful, but as I said, it was, it then sort of went from word of mouth. And so, I mean, there were obviously people that were too busy, but generally, I think if you've got a good idea and people are, are enthused and can see the impact it can have, I think people are very incredibly generous. And what are your plans to keep the information up to date as medicine is always changing? There's new guidelines. How will you do that? So there are a couple of things. One is that, we, as you say, we're updating it. That That is the beauty of an app as opposed to anything that's sort of printed is that we can update it sort of within minutes. So it's constantly, we're constantly improving and adding pathways, and adding end diagnostics. So, and we're adding imageries and heart sounds. So we're making wow. it, the whole point is that we can, so if someone's got a murmur, we can then add in a heart sound to say, well, this is what the aortic stenosis sounds like, or this is what croup sounds like in mm-hmm. terms of breathing. And here's some imagery to help you as well. And certainly a lot of the skin conditions, we've got a lot of images to help support a diagnosis. So we're keeping that updated because we're building out more and more the community of participants and contributors. And if you think about what the aspect of the medical journey that DEMDX addresses, it addresses the presenting problem up to the end of diagnosis. And that generally doesn't change because that's that's the human body and pathophysiology of things. Yes. What does change is, as you say, is the management in certain aspects of the investigations. And the, the management, we basically have links out to other third parties. Right, so okay. we, we don't deal ourselves with the management, but we do have links to NICE guidelines or trust guidelines, depending on who's sort of using our product. Okay. And those guidelines would reflect, have you gone to the depth of having appropriate guidelines for different countries, for example, or is it strictly based for the UK currently? So no, you're you're absolutely right. We're not there yet. At the moment, if you use our app, and I hope your listeners will be downloading it, uh, we get just to the end page. So it just talks about the condition. But over the next few months, I mean, when we talk about startups, that's the exciting thing about a startup is change happens within a matter of weeks and months. We're not talking years. So within a few months, we'll be having links to learning more about the condition, but also links into management. That's really good. If there was something that you could change in your entrepreneurial journey so far, what would it be? I'm not sure I'd change anything because it's been such an amazing adventure and journey. I probably would have started earlier, but then I wouldn't have had the skill set necessarily to have been able to go as far as I have done or we have done. I was quite naive in understanding how tough it was going to be. It's helpful, and I've done it now, but it's helpful to talk to other entrepreneurs, other people who have looked at Uh trying to do this type of thing, because it can be a very, very high and very, very low roller coaster. And talking to other people who have done that before is very helpful because it can have some very, very, very tough periods. It sounds great on the outside, and it is an amazing experience. And when you mean tough, do you mean, for example, having failures? actually most businesses fail most startups fail I think the statistic or the statistic that I've heard a lot is nine out of ten fail 
And they fail for so many different reasons. They fail not just because of the idea, it can be because of money, it can be because of timing, it could have been so, so probably the large majority outside of the entrepreneur's control and power and understanding that actually that that's the reality, I think puts everything into perspective. As I mentioned, I did a an MBA at Harvard in the States and failure is celebrated so when they talk about entrepreneurs they talk very they sort of it's expected that an entrepreneur fails at least two or three times before they actually succeed in inverted commas whereas that's not really talked about so much in the UK having that as a reference point for me personally was very important which is it's okay to fail it's probably the norm in fact it's more than the norm it's nine out of ten fail and knowing that as a backdrop, I think, is quite reassuring and realistic to recognise. In medicine, it's really quite bad to make a mistake or to get something wrong. And I think a lot of healthcare professionals have that thinking pattern, so to speak. But as you say, in business, it's OK to fail because there's a lot more you can learn from that and potentially use to another project or, or, or build upon. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a very, very different mindset. You need to put away that thought process to be an entrepreneur. Do you think it's enough to be aware that you can fail? Is that enough or is there any practical steps somebody can take to help them cope, for example, if that does happen? So something that I have found incredibly helpful, which sounds very simple, but I've been very grateful, is to have a network around me of other entrepreneurs okay. at different stages. Either those that have done it and failed, those that have done it and succeeded, those that are in the middle of it as well, because it's a very intense journey. As I mentioned, things change within weeks and months and you're juggling so many different things. If you haven't sort of been in those shoes, it's very difficult to empathize and give the right level of support. So I think it's very, very valuable to reach out to other entrepreneurs and to reach out to that community. Where can people learn more about DemDX? So uh, we'd be delighted if they went to our website, which is www.demdx.com. So please go to our website and then please also download our app, which is on the iTunes store. It's currently only on Apple, unfortunately, but we're looking to redress that with some more funding. Uh, I would love for anyone who wants to learn more or get involved, please uh, send us an email via the website. Excellent. That's great. Thank you for coming on. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. That's it for this episode. There was lots of valuable information from Lauren, which I hope you enjoyed. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes so you don't miss any episodes. The show is now also available for Android users on Stitcher. Thanks to all of you who have left a review so far. Keep them coming. Thanks for listening to 15 Minutes with the Doctor at slash 15 Minutes with the Doctor. Uh-huh. Dr. Vinay Shankar. Uh-huh. Dr. Vinay Shankar.